Good morning. Yes. Okay, I see you. Hey, uh, I'm EJ. Welcome to the Hills. If you're online, good morning. Um, I'm just honored to be here. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, our pastor, Rick, uh, for just giving us the opportunity, Emmanuel Taylor and I, to stand before you guys. Uh, we don't take that lightly. And, and so if we could just clap it up for our senior pastor, Rick. Secondly, uh, Rick wanted me to let you guys know that uh, as we were doing this series on Colossians, uh, March 20th, we were having a baptism weekend. Yeah. Come on, y'all. That's exciting. And so, um, look, if you're online, I don't care where you're at. Get a plane ticket one way. Maybe you can stay. Um, and get baptized. You know what I'm saying? And it just goes to we want to see 1,825 people surrendered to Jesus and baptized. So be praying for that. Uh, I'm just believing, I'm, I'm one of those people that believe big, and I'm just believing we'll have hundreds of people up here getting baptized. Uh, that's just how uh, I desire to see God move. So be praying for that. Amen? Um, so I also want to thank you guys as the church. Uh, you've heard uh, Emmanuel, Taylor, and I, and uh, just being receptive. I mean, you guys get amazing preaching every single week from Rick. And, uh, you know, those are some big shoes to fill, you know, but um, ultimately, uh, just thankful that you guys as a church, I've, I've felt so much love um, just getting this opportunity, and I do not take it lightly. All right, y'all. So I need you to, uh, first off, like Kenny Hart said a couple months ago, I'm a chocolate preacher, okay? And so I need you to touch your neighbor, look at him, and say, he's got a word. Y'all can do better than that. Say, he's got a word. I need you to look at your other neighbor, and I need you to say, just because he got some J's and a sweatsuit on doesn't mean he doesn't have a word. Yes. Come on. I need you to now just like. All right, but all right, all right, serious, 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 serious. So we are continuing the series, and um, this series is called Questionable Faith. Today I'm going to be bringing you a word from the Lord, and that word is the three reasons why you shouldn't be a Cowboys fan. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll be uh, speaking out of the book of Revelations. Okay. Amen, somebody. But um, nah, um, questionable faith, questionable faith. Uh, Taylor talked about God, I'm curious and scared. Emmanuel talked about God, were you ever really there? And today I am going to uh, deal with the question, God, do you really care? Everyone say it with me, God, do you really care? Breaking news, he does. Amen. So this past December, I was, uh, I was on my way uh, to South Carolina. Some of you guys know about this. Uh, I was on the airplane, and uh, my dad, he had been in the hospital uh, battling leukemia. And, um, you know, for those who don't know, leukemia, specifically what he had, you know, the immune, immune system is, is shot, and so he's catching all types of colds. So he had to go to the hospital, and he was in, in the hospital for about a month. While I was, you know, ministry and all these different things, uh, this specific weekend I felt like God told me to go to visit my dad. So while I was there, um, I was on my way there. I'm on the plane. The, the pilot comes on the intercom, and he says, hey, uh, I need you guys to put your seatbelt on. Uh, we're about to go through turbulence. Now, for some of y'all, it's like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to continue, you know, reading my book, listening, watching my movie. Uh, but for me, that was troubling because for the past four years, I've struggled with the fear of flying. And it was birthed in 2018. I was on my way to Africa, and we just were in turbulence for like two hours. 
And so ever since that moment, there's been like this fear that has completely just uh, uh, gripped me. I remember being in, uh, sitting up at night before I catch a flight and talking to my wife, Rachel. Shout out to my boo. What's up, girl? Um, talking to my wife, Rachel. And uh, basically, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to her. I'm like, man, babe, like I've seen God do some amazing things. I've seen God heal people. I've seen miracles. I've seen all these different things. He brought us here and we didn't even have a job. Like, God, I've seen you move in such a powerful way, but I feel like I can't be set free from this one thing. So anxiousness would grip me. Fear would consume me. And I I began to ask God, like, God, do you even care if this continues to have a hold on me. Every time that I left for a flight, I would look at my family a little longer, and I would say, you guys be safe, take care of yourself, because I really felt like it might have been the last time I saw them. I didn't even want to take speaking engagements that caused me to fly somewhere because I didn't want to get on an airplane. So you can imagine When we start hitting turbulence, the plane's shaking, and all of a sudden those thoughts of fear, anxiety, and worry, they try to come at me. But in that moment, I heard these words, EJ, just lay on my chest. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever heard God. I know for me, God uses me, uh, the way he speaks to me is, is like I have a thought in my mind, and I travel down that thought, and there's a peace that comes over me. He'll also use the word to speak to me. And so in that moment, I heard EJ just lay on my chest. And it's just like us as humans, right? Like when we're going through something, if I wouldn't have never went through the turbulence, I wouldn't have been like, oh, God, do you care? I would have been like, God, you care about me because the plane landed safely and I didn't have to go through anything. Another amazing thing that happened in that moment is that God brought me back to the scripture of the disciples being in the storm with Jesus. And so today, you probably heard this preached before. You probably have heard this preached 50 times and read it 50 times. But we're going to give it a different perspective and hopefully deal with the question, God, do you really care about me? Before we get started, I want to pray. Father, I thank you for every single person in this place. This is not by religious habit. This is not because this is what we do on Sunday. God, you have literally sent every single person in here today for divine appointment with you. You knew this day would come. And so give us eyes to see, ears to hear in a heart that is postured to receive your word. Jesus, we need you. None of me in all of you. It is in Jesus' name we said, amen. Amen. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. He said to them, why are you afraid? You of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. 
the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? If I could interject myself in the sermon, I'm like, bro, you just seen this man do miracles. What are you talking about? He said, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Now, there are three accounts of this story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I want to take us to the book of Mark because I feel like Mark, he takes a little deeper dive in what's happening uh, in this situation. Verse 35, it says, On that day, when evening had come, he told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. I want to give you a quick nugget about the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee was known for well sudden, uh, well known for sudden, unpredictable, and violent storms. And so the disciples, obviously being familiar with the area, they knew that a storm could potentially happen. But I would have to imagine that they looked across the lake and they saw that it was smooth. So like, hey, we're about to be on a cruise, you know what I'm saying? Eating figs, doing all this stuff. We got a rock star with us. Like, we're cool. Because no human in their right mind would just go into a storm unless you build packs and, and twister. But other than that, like no one else would just say, hey, let me go find the storm and go to it. You know what I'm saying? Another thing that I want us to notice is the proximity of Jesus. The proximity of Jesus. See, he didn't say, hey, I'm going to stand right here. You go ahead and go, and uh, I'll just uh, translate over to the other side. Now, we know later in Scripture he does send the disciples into a storm, and, you know, that's when he's walking on water, Peter's walking on water. But we're not going to speak specifically about that story today. So Jesus is actually with them in the storm. Have you ever been in a storm in your life and you feel like Jesus is not with you? But look what he said right here. In verse 35, he said, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So if the disciples would have been listening, he already told them they were going to make it. Because he already said, let's cross over. Let's go. He wouldn't have said that if that wasn't going to be the outcome. But we'll get into that a little bit deeper later. Verse 37, it says, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern. What was he doing? What was he doing? Tap your neighbor, say, wake up. That's what they were trying to tell Jesus. But um, he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Let's think about this. Up until this point, the disciples really haven't faced much, right? I mean, Peter had his mother-in-law that was sick that Jesus healed. Um, you know, they, they didn't really go through much. They left their families, which was a big deal. We also got to realize that the disciples, scholars say, were teenagers. They were in their mid-teens. The only one that was probably older is Peter because he was married. And so you got to think some teenagers are, are like, hey, I'm leaving my family to follow this guy, and I'm about to die this way. I've been fishing. I've been doing all these things. I've seen my family fish. I've seen my family do all these things, and now I'm going to die on this? But they didn't even realize this was the least of their worries to come. <laughs> Have you ever had a moment where you felt like God was directing you to go somewhere? Maybe a new job, a relationship, and you're like, God, I believe that you sent me here, but I just don't see it. You took me out of this great paying job to make less because I was trying to be obedient to you. 
and it's terrible. What I've found is that God uses our storms to refine us and trust him. Now let's imagine this scene with the disciples. The water is literally swamping over them. So they grab a bucket. They pick up the bucket. They're trying to get the water out of the boat. And they look back. And what's Jesus doing? That man is snoring, counting sheep. You'll catch that on the way home. Count sheep, get it? He's counting sheep. Okay. All right. So um, Jesus is snoring. He's counting sheep. And they over here like, yo, we over here feel like we're drowning. We're trying to get all this water out the boat and you are sleeping. Have you been in a situation where God has put you in something and instead of going to him and listening to him, what he wants to do in the situation, you feel like everything is just overwhelming you and you feel like you're drowning. And after you've exhausted all your options, then you want to look back at Jesus and say, can you help me? That's what the disciples were doing in this moment. And you know what's funny is I was like preparing this message and everything. I had this thought. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this gif before. It's gif, not jif, okay? Uh, amen, somebody. But I don't know if you've seen this before. But um, <laughs> as you can see, it's burning down. Like the house is burning down. And this kid just over here, da, da, da. Like, and I just imagine that this is what it was like. Like they're just staring at the storm, and Jesus is just like, da, 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 like every life is good. And they just sit looking at him crazy, you know what I'm saying? And um, truthfully, a lot of times we're that, those people looking at the fire. We need to be the person on the camera recording. Yes, we see the fire in the background, but your eyes are drawn to the kids swinging. Y'all are not laughing about the fire. You're laughing about the kids swinging. And see, if we fixate our eyes on Jesus when we're in a storm, We'll be able to experience joy. We'll be able to experience peace and patience. You may be looking like disciples. Yo, you've walked with Jesus. How in the world are you questioning him now? But we do it often. We've seen God do great things. We have testimonies of how God brought us out of trouble. And it's so easy. As soon as a storm hits, we forget. A job loss. An eviction notice, a health scare, a broken marriage. While those things individually may just feel like one wave hitting you, allow those things to happen at the same time, and it feels like you're drowning, and you can't breathe anymore. And I'm here to tell you today that we have all been through a storm, and we weren't sure if God was going to help us. But here's the good news. Verse 39, it says, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. You need to know today that no matter what storm you are in in life, God is with you. And not only is he with you, he has authority over that storm. I want to look back at Matthew 8. Um, Matthew uses this phrase, why are you afraid you have little faith? 
This phrase is the Greek word oligopistas. And this means a faith that lacks confidence and trusts too little. But another way to articulate it would be the term underdeveloped faith, as opposed to outright unbelief and distrust. See, it's easy to assume that Jesus is kind of like, yo, you have zero faith at all. What are y'all doing? But what he's actually saying is he's saying your faith has not been developed to a place of maturity to trust and rely confidently on me to know that I have authority over this. You see, when it came to this flight on my way to South Carolina, I didn't realize that my faith was underdeveloped when it came to flying. But I also didn't realize the victory that God would allow me to experience on the other side of that flight. I shared this with you guys in December, but when I arrived in South Carolina, my best friend, Chaplain K.J. Henderson, he hit me up. He said, hey, EJ, I've been ministering to soldiers throughout this whole basic training, and um, I'm about to baptize a bunch of them. Would you want to come? Uh, yeah. And so I go there, and you can see on the screen all these soldiers, hundreds of them, and we are there witnessing and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. See, I didn't know. I'm over here asking God, God, do you even care about me going to see my father? And God's like, yo, it's so much bigger than your father. Your storm is so minute to God. <laughs> Not that he doesn't care about you. It's that he sees what's on the other side. But we're so fixated, oh, man, I'm going through this storm. I'm no, no, no. God is using that storm for your breakthrough. And it was a powerful time, as you can see. What I've found is that when we have storms in life, there are many reasons we end up worried, anxious, fearful, and doubting God's care for us. And I want to highlight three reasons that we as Christians may find ourselves in this place. The first reason is because we are worshiping the wrong thing. We are worshiping the wrong thing. Do you worship your storm or your savior? your loss or your Lord, your fear or your father. See, fear is actually a form of worship because if I focus so much on the outcome of a situation that I can't control, it's lording over me. It has control over me. But here's the good news. Jesus is Lord. You, we must allow him to be our Lord and Savior. The disciples, they chose to worship their storm instead of looking to their Savior. And here's the harsh truth, family. God can care about you all he wants, and you still not receive that care. We see it in a world who doesn't desire a Jesus that died for them. God cares about this world so much, but yet people still reject him. So you may be asking, EJ, what do I do if I find myself worshiping the wrong thing? You guys ask great questions. <laughs> so instead of worshiping the wrong thing, we must seek the word of God to see what he has to say about our storm. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first. Everyone say first. first. Seek first the kingdom, not last. Not after I've talked to the pastor, the elder, and all the prayer warriors. 
That after I talk to my spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my friends, my grandparents, all of these people, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. So as I was spending time with this text um, this week, you know, I've been, I preached this, this is my third time uh, preaching. And it's easy to kind of just be like, okay, I know the message, like, let me just keep going. But this week I made it my commitment to spend time with God. Like, Lord, what else do you want me to flesh out for this specific group of people? And so I've read this story many times. I'm sure you guys have. And I was looking at Matthew 6, and I, as I began to read more, I was like, oh, my gosh, he is confronting worry. He's confronting worry in this situation. And so I was like, okay, I got worry. Like, what's going on? Luke 12, 31 talks about, you know, trusting God and, you know, not being worried for this and that. And so I'm like, what is, what, why is this worry sticking out to me so much? So I looked and I found, did you guys know that the word, the English word worry is created from a German word called worgen. And this literally means to strangle. It means to strangle. It means to feel like you're choking on food. You can't breathe. Are there some concerns, some anxieties and worries in your life that you feel like are strangling you? I'm here to tell you who the son is set free is free indeed. You no longer have to be bound to that. Jesus, he wants to speak to your storm. But we can't allow our circumstances to lord over us anymore. Another reason we as Christians can find ourselves worried, anxious, fearful, and doubting God's care for us is because we have not been taking our thoughts captive. To take our thoughts captive means to trap, seize, control, secure, and conquer the thoughts that oppose what God has to say. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to do what? To continue in our head? To have control over us? To do what? Obey Christ. It is vital that we change our perspective when we go through our storms and focus on where Jesus is, not how strong the waves are. Unfortunately, there's been bad teaching in the body of Christ that told us, yo, once you get saved, man, you're going to be living your best life. You're going to make a bunch of money. You're going to get healed all the time. Everything's going to be great. Jesus promised us in this world we'll face many trials and tribulations. But he said, be of great cheer because I have overcome them. That's the good news, y'all. We're going to go through things. Romans 12, 2, it says, don't become like the people of this world. Instead, read it with me, change the way you think. Then you will always be able to determine what God really wants, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. And family, I need to tell you today, we must change the way that we think. But it's so easy because we've grown up a certain way. Soon as something happens, oh, man, this is going to be the death of me. When it rains, it pours. This is killing me. I'm never going to make it. All oh, this week's going to suck. We say it. But it just said right here, don't be like the world. Change the way you think. Do you understand that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you? 
You have resurrecting power in you. Do you believe it, though? You don't always have to come to the pastor. You possess authority. I am not special. I'm special to God, but I am not special. I'm just called to do this. Some of y'all love Jesus more than me. We must know that we have resurrecting power in us. I want to do this quick illustration, and I hope this sticks with you. I want everyone to count in their head to 10. I don't want anyone saying anything, okay? In your head, you're going to count to 10, so, okay? Don't say nothing. When I say speak, I want you to say your name, okay? Everyone got it? Nod your head, yes. Uh, touch your neighbor and say, wake up. Okay, ready? Count. Speak. Hey, are you still counting? After the fact, you're counting. But when you said your name, you stopped counting. Why? Because you spoke, you heard, your brain detected, and it was focused on what was said. And it's the same way with the word of God. We must speak the word of God to every situation because we cannot battle thoughts with thoughts. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word. And so when we're going through situations, oh, I'm not going to do it. Oh, man, I'm just so depressed. Oh, man. You can't battle your thoughts with thoughts. It's the word of God that cuts through the lies of the enemy. But you have to speak the word. And if you don't believe me, believe what Jesus said. Matthew 4, 3 through 4 says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, challenge an identity right off the jump. What's the word that you've been holding on to that someone spoke against your identity? The Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that you are more than a conqueror. But do you believe it? It says, tell these stones, these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen. Pastor Rick said a couple weeks ago to end the Stronger series, you could have many Bibles and still not have a sword. Guys, we can come to church. We can have Bibles getting dusty on our counters. And as believers, we're wondering why we live defeated lives. We have to change the way that we think. We must seek the word and we must speak the word to every situation in our life. Ultimately, we find ourselves worried, anxious, fearful, and doubting God's care for us because we don't believe he is who he says he is. See, God is faithful, he's sovereign, he's just, he's all-powerful, and he's loving. He has consistently showed us his care and character throughout all of Scripture. See, God cared for humanity when he created the garden for them to dwell in. God cared for Adam and Eve when he clothed them in animal skin. God cared for Cain by marking him. 
God cared for Noah when the rain was coming. God cared for Abraham when he spared Isaac. God cared for Joseph when he was sold into slavery. God cared for Moses when his mother sent him down the Nile River. God cared for the Israelites when he sent them Moses. God cared for Hannah when she birthed Samuel. God cared for David when he had Uriah killed. God cared for Nehemiah when he rebuilt the wall. God cared for Esther when she entered the king's courts. God cared for Daniel when he was in the lion's den. God cared for Nineveh when Jonah didn't want to. God cared for Jesus after he was tempted in the wilderness. And God cared for all of us when he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. So instead of, instead of doubting who God is, we must stand on what we know is true about him. Psalm 34 and 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. And so today, what I ultimately want you to leave here with is this simple truth. God cares about you. I want you to say that with me. God cares about me. God cares about me. When we understand this truth, we'll be able to take our thoughts captive, worship him instead of our storm, and ultimately believe he is who he says he is. But we must seek his word, speak his word, and stand on his word. Now, some of you, this may be a, a new thing coming to church and it's the first time, you know, you've heard someone preach or whatever. And you may be like, man, the pastor's just, you know, he's telling me what to do. But he's re- what has he had really experienced? Yeah, he was on a plane flight. Um, okay, cool. I'm not fearful of that. But on January 6th, I woke up at 2 a.m. And uh, I saw I had two missed calls from my mom. And I was like... That's not normal, so what's going on? So I called my mom back, and on the other end of the call, I heard these words, EJ, your dad passed. In that moment, tears began to roll down my eyes. All those thoughts of fear, anxiety, like, what's going on, God? I thought you were healing him, and all these different things, because he was getting better. And I heard these words, EJ. Just lay on my chest. You see, earlier, when I talked about this trip to South Carolina that I took, and I said I didn't know everything that God was going to do, yes, the baptisms, like, that was great, but God was up to something even so much more. When I woke up the next morning, we were staying at my aunt's house, and I go out to the living room, my aunt and my mom are talking about all the baptisms that happened. And when I get out there, she says, hey, EJ, I want you to baptize me. I said, okay, of course. So, but not only do I want you to baptize me, I want to get a baptistry so you can baptize the rest of our family. <laughs> okay, God. After we left there, We got an opportunity to go back and see my dad. Got to pray with him, 
Got to read scripture to him, something that had never happened in the 12 years I've been a Christian. It's, it's, it's not that he wasn't a believer. We had some differing views on things, but I never got the opportunity to ever read and pray with him and for him. And it'd be the last time I saw my dad. God redeemed that. It allowed me to experience God's power. Knowing that even though my dad is not here, there's nothing left to be said. It's the same power that empowered me to officiate my father's funeral. It's the same power that empowered me to preach the gospel unashamedly at the same funeral to my friends and my family who have never heard me preach before. And it's the same power that has empowered me to stand before you today and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. My life is not my own. To you I belong. And so today, if you're here, look, I don't know what you've been going through. This church thing, I didn't grow up in it. But I do know at my weakest moment, Jesus met me. As I was over there worshiping and praying, I felt like there have been people in here having anxiety attacks regularly. I'm not asking you to come down this moment, but I want to pray for you. God cares about you. And not only does he care about you, he cares about the people around you. Will you allow him today? I know you've been believing the lies that he doesn't. Why would God let this happen if he cared so much? We all have those questions, even pastors. But what I do know is God is consistent. He has shown himself time and time again to be there when I need him and even when I reject him. And you can experience that peace, that joy, and that power today. Everyone stand with me, please. If I could have my shepherds. Right now is not a moment to care what others think about you. If you've been dealing with a lot of worry and fear and anxiety, maybe you've lost someone, come receive prayer. Don't allow pride to get in the way. Don't don't allow uh, appearing perfect with nothing going on to get in the way. God sees you and you're special to him. Come receive that love today. Let me pray. Father, thank you for every single person here. I thank you, Lord, that you love us so deeply. And, Lord, I pray right now that person that feels a nervousness in their stomach, Lord, I pray that you would walk them down here to receive prayer and receive you. Lord, for those who have walked in this building and they've had some questions, God, I'm curious, but I don't know. There's some, there's some of this church stuff, all of this, I'm not sure about it. God, I pray right now that you would assure them in their heart that you are real. Lord, I know what it's like to go 20 years of my life and not know you. And I can't even imagine being in that place anymore. 
So, Lord, right now, move in their hearts. I thank you for every single person in here. I thank you, Father, that we would walk by faith, not by sight, and that we would take our thoughts captive to what you have done for us on the cross. We love you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.